Hello and welcome back to the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Um, today is going to be a little bit of a different style of podcast rather than breaking down the matches and the tactics and the players and the decisions. I think it's time for a state of the union. We're going to have a month off. Thank God I cannot. I'm, I'm ecstatic. No Chelsea football for a full month. I, I couldn't be any more happier. Usually something like this would depress me. No Chelsea football, but the way that we've looked recently, it could not have come at a better time. So this week we're just gonna do pretty much a overall state of the union, open forum type of thing. Um and uh I'll start off by introducing our co host. I'll start off with Zach. Zach What's up, man? How are you feeling? Depressed. Anxious. Sad. Um, yeah, a little confused, honestly. Um, but we'll get into that a little later. But outside of that, I guess I had a de- half-decent weekend. The Lakers won today, so now we're 3-10 and 10 instead of 2-10, and 10, which is nice. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Big, big dubs. Um but yeah, I mean, other than other than Chelsea, not really, or other than Chelsea and the Lakers, not really too much to complain about, I guess, on my end. But Andy, what about you, man? I'm down bad, boys. This is a bad weekend for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously Chelsea was awful. Longhorns love to like, they're like edge lords, you know? They get me so close. I'm right there. I'm at the peak. I'm in the verge of ecstasy. Uh, what's that guy? The guy that does the crazy commentating, Roy Hodgson. I'm yeah. like almost a Roy Hodgson. I'm about to say some weird shit and scream and and have a full blown orgasm, and then they just absolutely choke when it matters most. So, you know, I can't. Good things can't stay good. I guess Astros win the World Series, and then everything goes to shit. So, yeah, it's not all. It's rough. not all bad. Eh. I also had my last coaching game today on Sunday, and my kids had like the worst game of the season. So, yeah, I'm down bad, man. I'm I'm ready for Monday. I'm ready to be busy with work. I'm ready to to finish this FIFA documentary on Netflix and get fully prepped for the World Cup. This World Cup that shouldn't be happening, that was proved to be that want the bid was won due to corruption, um, and still going on somehow with a lot of other internal issues within the country. It's going to be lovely. It's going to be a lovely World Cup. Um, So let's start off just giving a quick summary of Potter's tenure since he took over uh, the club. So in 14 matches, we have seven wins. Um, including the Champions League wins. Um, I think we have more or we have more Champions League wins than we do Premier League wins, which is funny. So in the league, we have wins against Palace, Wolves, Villa, then um, two wins against Milan, a win against Salzburg, and a win against Zagreb. 
three draws against Salzburg, United, and Brentford, and four losses against Brighton, Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle. So when you're looking at the teams we lost to, I mean, obviously Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle, those three teams are understandable to lose. Brighton has been phenomenal lately. They've been beating everyone. Um, so again, it's it's not the worst loss, but the results are just not not there. I think in the last four Premier League matches, um, or is it four or five? We we are uh, we don't have a win in the last five matches. I think we have th- uh, Premier League matches: three losses, two draws. Um, after losing Reese James, we have three wins, two draws, four losses. Three losses in a row after losing Chilwell. Uh, looks like Kovacic and Thiago Silva are not able to start back-to-back matches, understandably so. N'Golo Conte, he's been out, and he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Beyond that, just overall, it seems like the club and the team lacks an identity, um, which is probably the one thing that fans complain most of. Um, you see Potter playing a lot of players who are out of form, um, playing people out of position. There's, you know, we're going through somewhat of a formation roulette where we don't see the same formation back-to-back matches. And then when we see something we like, it switches it up again. Um, and, you know, going back again, I, I went over the key injuries and obviously that's a huge, huge reason for our, our drop in quality of play. But I think there's a lot of other things going on right now that I would say rightfully bother and cause a lot of Chelsea fans to complain and to be, you know, fearful for the future. Um, but I personally... I think this season might just be a wash. I'm I'm not entirely sure whether f- up four is realistic anymore, which is very unfortunate. I don't even know if top five <laughs> is reasonable at this point. I think we're sitting in ninth place, um, eighth or ninth place right now. Um, eighth place. Uh, only a couple points back from United, but Zach, I'll start off with you. What are your thoughts on uh, the current state of things? Two very important words that we have to take into consideration. The first one being context, which you explained, right? All the injuries, the different types of challenges, I guess, for lack of a better word, that um, Potter's had to deal with since coming in. Um, Obviously, no transfer window, no preseason. Comes into an already broken dressing room. Um, an already toxic atmosphere, go on a nice little run to start, and then right when we seem to sort of gain any kind of momentum, Reese James goes down, and he's our best player, full stop. So that's going to impact the team. And then we lose our other wing back in Chilwell, and you combine that with Koulibaly's injuries and um, you know Kovacic's fitness and Conte being out and Loftus-Cheek is now injured and... It's been it's been a challenge. I don't think I don't think there was any 
sort of positive outcome that could have came out of this period, just, you know, based on our injury situation. I think we have seven now who are currently injured. Um, Kepa as well, which is a very important one that we haven't mentioned. Um, so that's severely impacted the way we played as well. But I think context is very important in this conversation because I don't care if you put fucking Pep, Klopp, Ancelotti. I mean, you name the world's best managers. They're not fixing this side and turning them into a title contender um, anytime soon. So the expectation for Potter needs to be one of context and also one of patience, which is the second thing I was going to get to. So everybody just needs to chill the fuck out, I feel like. It, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where, yeah, the football's shit. Yeah, we're not great. Um, but it is going to take time. You know, These aren't his crop of players. And you take all of the context into consideration to not have patience in this situation is immature as a Chelsea fan. That's just kind of where I stand on it. I mean, if you know anything about football, you would know damn well that this is a process. And, you know, in terms of that revolving merry-go-round type of um, mindset when it comes to hiring and firing managers that we had under Roman, things are different under Bowley. And, I feel like the same people that are complaining about the current state of Chelsea are the same people that were clamoring for a rebuild under Roman. So it's there's hypocrisy all over the place, but you know, I think the two important things here are just context and patience. We we have to take both of those into consideration when looking at this Chelsea side. They're uh, Andreas, far from the finished product. Andreas, before before I get your take, I kind of want to respond a little bit. To what Zach said, if you don't mind, it. I, I kind of take this, take the side of the fans that are freaking out because you're talking about the history of Chelsea, the manager revolving door. Um, and I think it in most cases, we've gone a new manager bump. We've won a trophy within one or two years. We've looked good. I mean, even just look at Tuchel's takeover two years ago. He won He won the freaking Champions League um, and other trophies along the way, taking over a side that was in disarray, had toxic, um, had a toxic uh, locker room. All these issues that you described, he had that as well, and he was able to salvage it. And I think you know, the quality of players, it's not much different than what we have right now. Obviously, we have injuries, but I think it's it. the expectations are warranted based on the previous performances of new managers. And to be, to be honest, Potter, he hasn't been, I mean, he's losing winnable games, I mean, and drawing winnable games. So I think that, it is, it's, it's very, it's not very fair, but it is fair to question whether he is the guy. You know what I mean? Like, for you to have blind faith, and I'm not saying you have blind faith, but for anyone to have blind faith in, in Graham Potter and to think he's the real deal, no matter what, he should stay, and 
you know, we have to go through a, a couple of years of him buying players that he wants, adjusting everything. That's not, I think, I don't think that's fair either. I think that's probably just as unreasonable as the people who are on the other side calling for his head already. Well, well then let me give you a rebuttal to your rebuttal mm -hmm. because Tuchel did have a bounce, but Tuchel also had a two years younger and Golo Conte completely healthy that season. And we know how important N'Golo Conte was to that side when Tuchel came in. I think it, that that is part of the context. Tuchel did have a bounce. It still was like scrappy zero ones, two to ones, one, you know, scrappy results. And you're right. The quality overall of the squad wasn't much different. He inherited basically the same squad. The big difference is that the world's best defensive midfielder in N'Golo Conte was fully healthy and available for every big match. We have a 25-year-old I mean, Dennis Zakaria, okay? <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's the, he's the regen of N'Golo Conte, sure. <laughs> the, I think that's, that's part of it, right? It's Tuchel came in when the squad was healthy. The squad was strong. And, and like, I want to say, like, it, it, it was good because things were so bad under Frank. But at the end of the day, he got top four again. Frank got top four. Tuchel got top four. I don't see a Premier League trophy there. We haven't been any closer to that trophy. We've always been good in the cup competitions. Lampard did fine in the Champions League. He didn't win it. Tuchel did. And props to Tuchel. I'm not going to downplay that. But Lampard made it to FA Cup finals. Tuchel made it to Carabao Cup and FA Cup. Didn't win either. So, like... Outside of the Champions League run that was extremely dominant, and I have to give him incredible credit for that, I can say that, sure, we didn't have a – we 14 matches in, we didn't have a manager bounce that you're talking about, but seven matches in we did. We were unbeaten in seven matches under Potter, and then came the injuries. And I think that's where it, it kind of just went for a complete turn. Because a month ago, or not even a month ago, three weeks ago, when things were great, nobody was having this conversation. Yeah. I think people are, are spinning like tops and, oh, now it's bad again and now it's complete shit. And, well, where were we a month ago? We were dominating the Serie A champions back-to-back -back weeks. When we were out of the Champions League at that point, we were out. We weren't even going to make Europa at that point. Bottom we're, of the group. We were we were hoping to make Europa. We had to beat Milan twice just to have a chance, and we went unbeaten. We went unbeaten in the league until the champion the the injuries piled up. So like, yeah, it sucks. And and we were seeing, and that's the other thing. We were seeing things happen early on. We were seeing vertical passing. We were seeing our midfield make runs past the front three. We were seeing not cross and pray, which was how things were looking at the beginning of the season. And it went downhill immediately. And my question is, is like, is, is that down to the manager or is it down to the fact that there is zero plan B available anywhere in this roster? And I think that's kind of where like now Potter has to do all this crazy shit and it's not working. Like I hate the chop and change. I've been praying for a 4-3-3 every single week since Lampard. And I haven't gotten my wish. But, like, I also wasn't – I was not going to be able to predict that N'Golo Conte was supposed to come back, and he hasn't. Kovacic has been playing injured now for two months. 
Thiago's age is showing and can't play every single week. Koulibaly got freakly hurt. Kukureya, Zach can tell me whatever his diagnosis was that one time and missed three games. Chilwell's gone for the rest of the year. Fofana's gone for like a shit ton of time. It's like, damn. When people want to point at the $300 million investment and $80 million worth of it is gone before we even saw him under the new manager. So like, this break couldn't have come at a more perfect time because now I can breathe and think, okay, Potter gets to really have a slight preseason because most of his team is gone for the World Cup. But the main contributors that are left behind, your Chalaba, potentially Reese James back from injury, potentially Fofana back from injury, Conte back from injury, like key pieces of the puzzle get to stick around and learn from the manager for a bit. And I think that people are jumping into this like negativity way too soon into a season. We're not even into the 50% mark. And you mentioned it too, Sam, the losses outside of Brighton. I don't care that we lost to Arsenal, Man City, or Newcastle. All three of those teams were always above us on the table this season. Like, those were losable matches. It is what it is. Uh, I mean, uh, another thing to point out: last year in 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 uh, game week fourteen, we were sitting at top of the table. We had thirty three points. We had a plus twenty seven goal differential. This season, we're in eighth place with an even goal differential. It's it's the drop off from this year to last year is huge, and I don't know. I don't know how fair it is to blame it on a couple of players. Like, yeah, they they obviously are big, but it's a big guys. It's a big off. So, so what happened? What happened right after the game week fourteen? What think, happened? Think long and hard. We lost Reese James and Chilwell. Who would have well, thought? Whoa, crazy! Our super dependent on win, wing back team. Goes to shit without our wingbacks for two years in a row. Yeah. Zach, you want yeah. to add something? Yeah, I, I mean, I also wanted to point out that we had a committed Romelu Lukaku for the first, what, three months of the season where he was actually going out and trying and scoring some goals here and there too. So, I mean, th- th- there's just... You can't compare last year and this year. I think if you are going to compare them, compare everything that went wrong from last year and this year, like Reese James going down, like having Conte struggling with his fitness, like having to rely on a guy like Jorginho um, week in and week out, regardless of you know who our opposition is. It's um, and, and, and to add to that, I mean, we didn't add any depth to our midfield. I know we signed Zakaria, but I mean, look at the injuries around him. It's it, it's not like we have the numbers, um, you know, that are needed to even like Andres said to even play a four three three. I think we haven't even seen that because we just don't have the numbers to do it. We played every healthy midfielder um, against Newcastle. All and we four lost of another pitch one at the same time, and now we lost another one exactly. So there's a lot of different factors that you can kind of like take into consideration here. But to your point earlier, Sam, about you know it being fair to to question whether or not Potter's the guy. I don't think it's fair to question it. 
I think it's fair to criticize him. I think it's fair to yeah. go out and say, okay, why is he not starting Pulisic? Or why is he not playing Broja more? Or why is he playing Gallagher and Mount behind a striker? I think it's okay to ask those questions. But to completely but but to make a judgment this soon um is just as silly as committing to he's the guy to move us forward. I think it remains to be seen. We need a bigger we need a larger body of work. We need him to have a transfer window that is acceptable to him in terms of bringing in the player personnel that fits his profile. Um, and we need a preseason. We need a healthy squad, man. It's just something that is impossible at Chelsea Football Club the last couple seasons in, in terms of just guys being available. And you know, when you lose a massive amount of players like we have this season, there is going to be a drop-off. And to my point earlier, I know it's a what-if scenario, but Pep Klopp, nobody, nobody can turn this around and, and, and make us a championship side overnight. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to take time. There's going to be more, more road bumps. We're going to lose more games. There's going to be ugly matches. And it, until we're completely healthy and have a run of 10 to 15 games under our belt with a fully healthy squad, I'm not making a judgment on, on, on his actual merit as a coach. Granted, he has made some bonehead decisions lately. I'm not discounting that. And, and to be clear, the goal is not to become a championship side, as Zach said. Obviously. <laughs> That's not our goal. Title winning side. No, title winning side. Sorry, but, it's the American in me. But like what, what, what Zach is mentioning, like, it is fair to criticize, right? Like we've seen now him try, and he swears they're not wingbacks, but playing Pulisic and Sterling at wingback was a fucking awful choice, or like Zach alluded to. Playing Broja and then giving him zero creative players right behind him because Gallagher and Mount are not creators left him completely isolated. Like, little choices like that you question and, like, they're not correct. But then, like, for example, today's lineup, it was Mount, Gallagher, and Broja up front. But, God, against Arsenal, it was Aubameyang, Kai, and Sterling. And I shit you not, I will never be happy with that front three ever again. Like, I don't want to see that front three, at least for a bit, because that's supposed to be the strongest front three it, on paper, potentially, that we have at this club. And it was by far the worst offensive performance I've ever seen. So, like, at some point, it's like, damn, okay. So, he was playing out of form players. You know, we have Mason Mount, who hasn't done anything in, like, eight weeks now, it feels like. Great matches, excuse me. And then... You have Sterling, who, since Potter arrived, has become allergic to scoring. And they were getting a lot of minutes. But then it's like, do we really want to play Ziyech instead, who's been completely disrespectful of the club and, and just kind of been honing it in for the whole season? Like, at some points, it's like, what, what, what else can he do? Like, Lewis Hall, that's the one thing I want to give him complete praise for. He's bringing up a guy that's been doing well with the academy. He brought him on back-to-back -back matches. He's doing well. But it's like, okay, now if you did that, do it for somewhere else. Like, it worked once. Try it again because I don't want to see Ziyech step on the field. I don't want to see RLC at right wing back. Bring somebody. I'm sure there's a right back somewhere in the academy that we can deploy for a match or two. So, like, yeah, you didn't really have a choice. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a lot of, like, a lot of teething, a lot of, like, I think it goes a long like I think having a preseason goes a long way because he had to jump in. He sees the squad on paper and goes from there. Like he's not familiar with Cobham at this point. Like no manager outside of Chelsea should ever be 
that in depth into what Cobham is producing and what they have cooking. Like he again, he's learning on the fly, and it's not just on the fly. It's two matches a week, traveling across Europe for for Champions League. Like people are are quick because they want to see the manager bounce that we've always seen before. But I think there's so much season left. I the teams above us, like Brighton is not going to finish above us. They're good. They're fun to watch. And props, why is Brighton above us? Props to Graham Potter for the work he's done since he got there in 2019. Like you ask about merit of a manager, in 2019, Potter got to, to Brighton, and they successfully stayed in the Premier League, were 15th place. 2021, 16th place. Two seasons, right? But now this last season, 21-22, ninth place. So that's a jump from relegation battle to like safely mid-table pushing for for Confederations League or whatever that's called. And then this season, seventh place. And when he left them, they were fourth place. So like if we're going to talk about a manager that can give you long-term stability and progression over time, I'm seeing it right in front of me. Three seasons, he went from championship to promotion, right? Stayed in the league, which is extremely hard to do from a team that's recently promoted and then jumped to mid-table, and now his team is pushing for Europe. Like, people love Um, to discredit the guy that just got here, but he just got here. So, it's match week 14. The season doesn't end in match week 16. Like, again, I I will eat my words at the end of the season if it goes to complete shit. And, and I'll come right here and, and prove it. Fuck Kai Havertz. I'm done backing him. I was the first person to say that Kai Havertz was going to be the answer at the nine, and I was wrong. I was completely mm. wrong. And if it comes to the point where Graham Potter is the same way, after I thought that he was a great manager and it could potentially become a Chelsea manager, I'll say it again. As of right now, it's too soon. It is far too soon to to write the final chapter of Bright of Potter's time at Chelsea. And I think the World Cup came at the perfect time. I think you're right about that. I just don't want to become an apologist. Um, I think we did the same for Tuchel for for a long time when the signs were there. Um, and we we made excuses, we made, you know, reasons for why things were the way the way they were, and eventually he got sacked. But what you're saying right now, I think, is very fair in that it's too early to make a determination. If the time, when the time comes where he's had enough time, he's had a transfer window, he's, you know, he's made a year or two um, under his belt. Then at that time, we can, you know, I'm more than glad to, to say, like you said, I was wrong. It's time to move on. But I don't care, you know, like, the thing is, I, I think people are just, like, afraid of being wrong, you know? Like, they're afraid of of having confidence in a guy who eventually doesn't work. But um, I'm okay with, with admitting if I'm wrong. Um, right. But let, let's talk a little bit about this Tuchel revisionism, um, because... I saw a lot of fans crying for Tuchel saying, you know, we wouldn't be in this situation with Tuchel. Tuchel would have beaten Newcastle. Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's probably 
a good idea to look back on Tuchel's time in 2022 and see uh, whether those statements hold any weight or hold any water. Um, so a loss, a one, four loss to Brentford at the bridge, a loss to Arsenal, uh, two, four at the bridge, um, a loss to, at the time, relegation bound Everton one nil. There were no, he had no back to back wins or clean sheets since April to end the campaign. Uh, we had a preseason embarrassment to Arsenal 4-0 to lose the Florida Cup, whatever that was called. <laughs> Prestigious Cup. Mm-hmm. Almost, yeah. Um, a 3-0 loss to Leeds, 2-1 loss to Southampton, 1-0 loss to Zagreb. Mind you, with this is mostly with a healthy squad. I mean, barring Gola Conte, but, you know, it, it's it's... This revisionist history, forgetting these recent results where Tuchel really dropped the ball on a lot of these performances, it's it's just it's weird. I think it's weird right right now, Zach. Yeah, I mean, you just talked about the performances. The thing that bothers me about this whole conversation is the atmosphere that Tuchel created at Chelsea in the dressing room specifically. He didn't talk to guys like Trevor Chalaba reportedly for weeks. He had no idea why he wasn't getting into the team. There was some sort of, you know, fracture in the relationship between him and Pulisic. I think Pulisic probably had like nudes of his ex or something. Other because it was beyond me why he wasn't getting getting any playing time under him. And you know, the 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 press conferences is its own separate argument. I mean, the the rhetoric he was using, the 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 lack of willingness to accept responsibility for being so rigid, um, the the fact that he focused on ball retention instead of attacking. Um, I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on, and that's the point. The people that keep bringing up Tommy Tuchel just need to get the fuck over it. He's gone. He's not coming back. We have a new manager now, and we have new ownership. Oh, that's another thing that we didn't even mention, is that he had a falling out with our actual fucking owner. So that's, it's never going to work. I don't care how good of a manager you are. If you don't see eye to eye with your boss, not even on a professional level, it's not going to work. They don't have to be friends and go out to dinner and their wives hang out you know, in their free time. But they actually have to have a, a, a functional, professional relationship. And that was irreparable um, by the time he got sacked. So... I'm not having any of this what-if bullshit conversation. People need to get the fuck over it. They need to grow up. And I think most of the contingent that's clamoring and complaining about Tommy Tuchel is the younger generation that doesn't realize that Chelsea were an anomaly under Roman Abramovich. The hiring and firing of managers, the multiple trophies, the Champions Leagues, that was an anomaly. It doesn't exist like that anymore. You look at teams like Liverpool and teams like Man City, even teams like Bayern Munich, they're all trying to build something. Every club in Europe that's a big club is trying to build a project. There's no more one or two year tenures and then they're gone. It doesn't exist anymore. There's a reason why Jose Mourinho's at Roma now. There's not a need for those kind of managers. Project managers are in. It, you have to invest the time. You have to invest the money and you have to see eye to eye with the ownership and and allow the manager the space and time he needs to actually f- develop his squad. 
you know, you, you, it's just, it's so ridiculous to me that we're still having this conversation at this point in the season. Like, it's not helping anybody. It's definitely not helping the atmosphere around, you know, just Chelsea fans in general. It's, it, it only creates toxicity and division. And right now, more than anything, we need to kind of stick together because look at the fucking results. Talking about Tommy Tuchel is not going to turn it around. And guess what? It's also not going to help Graham Potter turn it around. You know, it, it, talking about our old manager that is partially, if not, I, I, I almost want to say he was responsible for a majority of why it fell apart. So yeah, people on Twitter, what they're going to say is not going to help or hurt our manager. It's, it's, no, no, that's... no. I, I'm, I'm talking about the atmosphere around the fans. Like, we have to manage our expectations, guys. Like, it can't, it, it can't always be title or bust, you know, every single season, regardless of the managerial situation. Like, well, we I'll... sack the manager mid-season. There's going to be fucking road bumps. I, I, I don't understand this lack of just common sense. Zach, the truth is, like, this team is not – Sam, thank you for recapping 22 under Tuchel because people are rewriting their history and just pointing out, like, oh, Tuchel beat Pep three times in a row. It's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, beating Pep three times doesn't win you the Premier League title. And we haven't won that since fucking Conte. And and I'm going to go a little bit even deeper into our into our history and into what we've accomplished because, honestly – Chelsea has not been elite, and this is going to be as unpopular as it's ever probably going to get out of my mouth since Ancelotti. We have not been a team that wins the league, wins the FA Cup, and makes it to the Final Four in the Champions League in a fucking long time. We have not had a team built that way since 10 years ago, at least. At least. And that comes down to Roman getting greedy to just complete the cycle. Because that's what fucking happened. We lost track of what makes long, long success. Winning a league is freaking insane because you have to be good for 38 weeks. We have never been good for 38 weeks while competing in three other competitions since 2010-2011. We haven't. Conte won the league because it was the only, only competition that team had. And he fielded the same 11 players unless one guy was injured every fucking week and on top of that sorry zach i'm gonna i'm ranting and i'm gonna keep going because it's important like 2012 the champions league run ended and we had the captain of the ivory coast the captain of the england team the co-captain of the england team the captain of the Ghanaian national team the captain of the german team the captain um uh well one of the captains of the portuguese team we had like from top to bottom, World Cup-level leaders. We had guys that could be leaders of men, guys that wrote their own history and wrote the success and were part of it. They were like the equivalent of founding fathers that won the Revolutionary War. Then those guys left. They're out. In comes Eden Hazard. We had arguably one of the top three players in the world, and he won the league twice. Twice. Once under Mourinho, when Mourinho sort of got a chance to build something because he took over a team, was backed, built the team, and then exploded. And then under Conte, when it was the only time. We won the league twice since 2011. And both times, we didn't come back after that season to do shit. 
After Mourinho, mm-hmm. we went back to crap. After Conte's first season, we went back to crap. And then, oh, but we've won so many trophies. We are not consistently relevant. Cups, and I'll say this over and over and over again, it is so easy to be relevant in Cups. Because you can be fucking Eden Hazard, or you can be Jose Bozingua, or Mason Mount, and you can wake up and be ready for one game. But you need to be, if you're going to be a club that tries to put itself up with your Real Madrid's, your Bayern's, your Manchester City's, you have to wake up every fucking match and be ready to put out a 12 out of 10. And this team has none of that. We are now, we've gone from, like I said, the team of of your founding father, revolutionary history writing players, to a bunch of players that have been part of history, but were not the authors of it. Aspiliqueta, club legend, love him to death. But that guy is not the guy that puts a team on his back and brings him through shit. He is a good soldier that followed great generals, and that's why he's a legend. Tiago Silva just got here. He's on the verge of retirement, can't do it on his own. Zach, I know you love Mason Mount and you preach for years that he's a future captain. I'm sorry he doesn't fucking have it. He is not captain material. And if we think that he is, then our levels of Chelsea standards, which people love to throw around, also out the wall. Reese James is the only player on this team that is world-class elite, and that's where this club is at this moment. So believe it or not, people, it's going to be ugly before it gets good. And buckle in, because it's going to be a while. Fucking we're, hell. We're going we're gonna to get to expectations. And I said this to you, Sam, earlier this season after the Zagreb loss or the Salzburg draw with Tuchel. I told you, and I'll stick by it. I will give up any cup this year to see progression of the identity of this team and maybe top four. I said it months ago under a different manager, and I'm not moving the fucking goalpost. Because people love to to wear our blue tinted glasses, slap a shit trophy in there, and think that we're the fucking bee's knees. And we're not. Damn, that was a top three rant ever in the history of this show. Impressive. And it proved that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you kind of took my talking point again, but I'll add a little bit to it because I was going to (laughs) mention... No, 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 no. You're good. Listen, I, I was going to mention that the players just simply aren't good enough. You know, if 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 the same fans that are clamoring about, you know, if Tuchel was manager, we would be... Those same people are also saying that this side is good enough to pick up results consistently for 38 weeks. We're fucking not. We don't even have a 10-goal-a-season striker. We don't have a backup winger. We don't have a natural defensive midfielder. We rely on a 38-year-old aging center back. We don't have a backup right back. I don't. Dave is washed. I love the man. He's a legend, but he's washed. Potter wouldn't so, even play him at wing back this weekend. Yeah, he yeah, sucked yeah. him out. Exactly. Uh, yeah, he was the weakness. And then we haven't bought a midfielder since when? It seems like 1998. And 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 also. Like, just look around the side. We're playing guys like Hakeem Ziyech. We're playing guys like, no offense to him, he's been awesome lately, but guys like Lewis Hall. Unproven guys. We're not fielding, you know, uh, Prime Dave on the left and Ivanovic on the right and 
you know, Prime Cahill and JT in the middle and Peter Check right in behind them or, you know, a Courtois behind. Those days are gone. That team is gone. We don't have a Fabregas-type player in the midfield that is willing to, you know, see a pass or play a ball over the top. We don't have a natural defensive ball winner in the middle of the park. We get out-muscled every single match. Like, look, look around and look at, the, look at the team sheet. I beg of you, go back, look at Mourinho's first team, and look at Potter's first team. Just compare the two. Just, and, then, and then let's have this conversation of we should be winning every fucking game. The, the, the fact is, we're a mid-table side. The proof is in the pudding. We're eighth. We're, right now we're eighth, right? I think, yeah, yeah eighth place. Yes. We're fucking mid-table. We need to get over the fact that we're not going to win the league. If we make a push for the Champions League, even if we get to like the round of eight or the round of four, that's a bonus. The FA Cup, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, I- I'm on the same boat as you, Andy. I just want to see some sort of path for this team. I want to be able to look at the side at the end of the season, say, we need to address X, Y, and Z because we need X, Y, and Z. Not, we're going to be linked with, you know, uh, three different profiles of strikers and two different profiles of center backs and zero midfielders. I don't want another window like that. I want to see some sort of ideology. uh, 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 I mean, you can, I can't think of the word right now, but just an identity, whatever synonym you want to bring up, we need to see some form of that going into next season. If I see that, I'm good. I'm just like you. Because we're not good enough. The team isn't good enough. The players aren't good enough. It's just the facts. You're going to compare Kai Havertz to DDA Drogba? Get over yourself. Are you going to compare Kovacic to fucking Michael Ballack or Lampard or... Any of those? No, you're not. You're not going to compare him to Cesc Fabregas. You're not going to compare Raheem Sterling to Eden Hazard. You're not going to compare a 38-year-old, uh, you know, Thiago Silva's been amazing, but you're not going to compare like a 31 or 32-year-old Koulibaly to a, a Prime Cahill or a JT. Get the fuck out of here with that. It's nonsense. We're not good enough. We need a serious overhaul. You know, but here, uh, besides the, thing, the identity, right? I just want to see players leave. I think we need eight or nine of these guys out, and whether or not we promote players from the youth team or bring back guys from loan, and also a little bit of investment here and there to just kind of fill in the gaps. But it needs a serious overhaul. I don't see a side where we keep 13 or 14 of these guys and all of a sudden turn the tides. That's not going to happen. We're going to need multiple, maybe even in the double figures, exits in order for this to kind of turn around because the players just simply aren't good enough. And that's. That's another, just a whole other aspect of this, you know, bit of too cool nonsense. It's like, get over yourselves. The, the side fucking sucks. Bottom line. It, it, I think the frustrating, another frustrating part about that is that we're just coming off a transfer window where we spent north of 270 million pounds in transfers. And the net result is our team got worse after that. It's, it's that's i think that is more frustrating than anything else that we went on this huge spending spree we brought in players a lot of them were redundant a lot of them were busts 
and it it hasn't improved the squad. In fact, it's on the opposite. It's made us worse. And we got rid of a lot of the dead weight too. So it I don't know. Andreas. So, yeah, so my question, Tom, is like whose fault is where the squad was when the summer came? Because people just like the Tuchel revisionism, they're calling for Roman and the former regime. And because of the former regime, we lost Rudiger on a free. We lost Christensen on a free. We kept Alonso for far too long. We kept all these lone players that were weight to the drink the, water, the, Barkley, drink water, Barkley, Zabacosta, Bashuai, Baba Raman, Emerson, all these guys that were Bakuyoko. never going to be on the first team, all in the team. And sure, we got rid of them, but like, sure, we invested 300 whatever million. And I see that everywhere too. But they weren't ever. Like, those were spent out of, like, desperation. Rudiger leaves and leaves late because of the whole shit show that went down with Roman and his links to Putin and the fact that we just didn't give him a salary when we should have after he performed well. And then we're – you also have new ownership that can't start signing players when the window begins. And we have our – it's like we have a weight tied to our ankles and asked to run a race. So, like – the Koulibaly move, fuck it. It was quick, but it was the only thing that was going to happen because guess what? The Lick was off. We offered the Lick, but guess what? Tuchel decided he's too cool to make a phone call and convince a guy to come play here. So then we go to Koulibaly. You signed a center back. Okay, that's one. Christensen was gone. How do we replace him? Shit. Kunde. We want Kunde. Oh, Tuchel's too cool to make a phone call again. Lose Kunde. Fuck, okay. Overpay for Fofana because... Leicester's shit, so they're going to have to get some money because they have no money. Overpay for Fofana. Left back. We could have had left back years ago. We could have looked for plenty years ago, but we waited again. Overpay for Kukureya because it's almost the season. Preseason is almost over. And shit. Brighton doesn't want to let go of their player of the year. Raheem Sterling. We let go of Werner Lukaku. We had to bring a replacement. He was cheap, but it was just all of these were desperation moves for moves that were gone it was never improvement i get it was 300 million but this was all people stealing money from our pockets because we had no other option and that's the part that like again context matters a lot to me because sure it on paper because of a price tag you think oh we're trending up but in reality the hole was so big that to even get ourselves close to out of that hole 320 million had to make way for that People are just dumb. It just comes down to people being absolute fucking numb nuts. They can't think for themselves, so they latch onto a narrative and like to uh, run away with it. Which I feel like, like if you approach anybody with the Tuchel revisionism mindset and and actually ask them, give me valid, logical reasons why you think Tuchel would have turned this around, they'll struggle to find one. It's just. They just, they're angry just for the sake of being angry. And that, I mean, to me, that's what it feels like here. But we, I mean, I, I get the frustration like to death. We just, we gotta, we have to manage the expectations here and look at the fucking reality. I, I, but the thing is, like, I understand being frustrated because you do just see the headline. But that's the point. People see a, in today, it's like you see a headline and nobody clicks the article. You know, like it's the clickbait is Chelsea spends the most they've ever spent and the team is worse. 
It's like, well, why did they have to spend more than they've ever spent? Nobody wants to do that extra five-minute Google search to find out why we did it. Why is is why did why is Potter at a fifty percent win streak, win percentage at this point? Look a little deeper and see what happened to this team as soon as things were starting to click for him. Like, there is so much. Why is Bowley under? Why is Bowley still building this staff? It's like, well, shit. None of the staff he had before wanted to do it his way, and he blinked, and the season already started. Like. This season is was going to be a shit show with Tuchel. It was going to be a shit show no matter what. And and again, because he spent three hundred million, people thought we're right back up there with Manchester City. Oh man, like it's okay that we're not there right now. As long as we will slowly build our way up there. Like I'll, I'll put it this way: Xavi with Barcelona, shit beginning, but. They were pushing and almost got the second place with Xavi, right? And now, and now they're on top of the table. I don't know how well they go. So, the, okay, there's example number one. He would have been fired here at Chelsea. He would have never gotten the time to, to bring the down curve back up. I hate to use Arsenal as an example. Arteta. I wanted to use Arsenal as an example, too. And I, but, but, but let's yeah. go back further. Klopp. Klopp. Klopp's Liverpool was not good overnight. First three or four seasons, they were fucking laughable, losing big, big against mediocre sides. But they gave them time. Pep had to Pep had to spend like two hundred mil the first season with an already champion level team, and he still spends a hundred million per window to stay relevant. Like it takes time. It takes fucking time. Eddie Howe, who the fuck would have thought that Eddie Howe? would turn around Newcastle, and here they are, third place, one loss, the most stubborn defense in the fucking league, and he just needed mm-hmm. 18 months. Some money. He tried some <laughs> random shit. Yeah, oil money. He tried random shit. Fucking Joel Linton at midfield. <laughs> what? It works. It fucking works, but it took a while. He has fucking Sven Botman. Who would have thought that that guy would have signed for Newcastle ever? But but like, but but those are his signings. That's the thing. That's my point. Yeah. though. But it but it yeah. took time. All these things took time. It didn't. And the take... good thing is, go for it. The good thing is, from all indications, the ownership group is one hundred percent backing him, and there is no sign of them possibly letting go. I think that what you're saying right now is what's going to happen. He's going to have the time. He's going to have a long leash. Wins are important, but I think this year is just going to be a wash, guys. Like, everyone listening, everyone here, the season's a wash. We're not winning any trophies, probably. I mean, if we do, that'll be amazing, but it's all about the next couple of seasons. What, what, if we do, what if we do don't let build. it. If we do, don't let it you don't let it make you think that Graham Potter is suddenly going to win the league next year. That's that's the big thing here because again, we turned it around in Champions League, and I firmly believe we can beat Dortmund even in this craziness because the guys oh, wake yeah. up. They wake up for these nights under the lights for the Champions League. The theme the theme music plays, and Mason Mount is fucking caca, dude. Like it's wild how much these guys just want to be there it's like all about the who was it that was calling out 
Reese James about uh, clout. Wilfred Zaha, he's onto something, man. Not about Reese James, but about this team. We're clout chasers. These guys are all going to wake up for the big game. All of them will. So yeah. we lost to Man City in the Carabao Cup. If you watch that game, we were two finishes away from beating Man City. The counterattacking tactics worked perfectly because the guys were trying. FA Cup rolls around. Not going to be surprised if we make a run either. Like, it's a wash in the league. I agree with you there. But, like, don't take the cup form as, like, we're back, baby. Because those are the yeah. easy ones. Arsenal won a bunch of FA Cups while still being completely trash in the league. They won so, one or two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, it, 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 I hate saying it, but, like, look at this Arsenal squad right now. Like, they're not necessarily full of world beaters, but they're all players handpicked by Mikel Arteta and the rest of the board who were all on the same page. They were working together. Synergy. And then finally, just to wrap up the whole Tuchel thing, um, there was this um, a really good Twitter thread by Ben Jacobs of uh, CBS Sports. And uh, a lot of good nuggets in there. One of them in particular, um, and this was brought up at the time of Tuchel sacking, was that they had fundamentally different beliefs on what their strategy should be. They were not on the same page. The board and Tuchel were not on the same page. I think now, I mean, me. this might be naive. This might be me being, you know, just like, Pro Chelsea and a fan of supporter, but I I want to say that the the club there's no way the club would have brought in a Grand Potter if they weren't aligned on the same vision, because it would have just brought them into the same mess. And because that's the case, I think that we we probably have a good shot of building something. Um. But I don't know if there's any if there's anything else in that Twitter thread because it was really good. Look up uh, Ben Jacobs on Twitter. I think he's at Jacobs Ben. If you haven't read that thread yet, is there anything else on that thread that stuck out to you guys that you want to mention? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I think the next part we can talk about um, what what truly got us to this point. Um, the quick ownership change, of course, the short time frame for the owners to implement their plan, the shit squad that still kind of remains here, um, which was, you know, it was inherited by the last ownership group again. So for the Roman sympathizers and, uh, you know, uh, revisionists, the team we have now is mostly players that they brought in. So. I think without getting into, you know, being too repetitive, I don't know if there's anything either of you want to add. It's just going to take time. We, we have to relax. We have to accept the fact that this season is, is a wash and not expect anything out of it, to be honest. Is, is, Zach, is there anything you want to add? No, just everybody needs to check their egos, their Chelsea egos a little bit. Look at, the actual facts and 
Yeah. I mean, I mentioned context and patience. Yeah. Beat that horse to death, but those are very important things that people don't seem to keep in mind nowadays. So yeah, I don't know about I don't know about you, Andy. Do you have anything to add? I mean, like I said, I'm not gonna move my goalpost. I think this team, even in all this shit, I don't think Newcastle, Tottenham, Manchester United, and Brighton are better than us. I don't think that. Mm-hmm. Healthy Chelsea. I think I think there is plenty of season. I think yeah. slowly but surely Potter will understand this team. Again, every other manager above us outside of Zerbi or whatever, whoever took over for for Potter, had a full three months plus multiple seasons with their teams. Um, I expect Boley to finish building the staff before the January window. I expect it to be happening while the World Cup is happening, especially. And I think that, you know, we are in a weird way in all this chaos, like good things will happen in terms of acquisitions and such. We, we know the Nkunku rumors are coming and, and God knows I'm ready to, to just, just let Kai walk for. Are they still rumors? Are they still are, rumors? Are they, okay. They're not rumors, but like, it's like bound to be confirmed, right? It's Fabrizio confirmed. has talked about it. There's been medicals. There's been fees that's been discussed. I don't see a U-turn at this point. If anything, we need to fucking sign it before he balls out in Qatar. But I'm sticking to what I said earlier, and and I said it earlier here, and I said it earlier this season. Give me an identity and a push for top four. An identity and a push to top four, and you build from there. Because, again, a lot of shit happened in the – like six months ago, we didn't even know if we were still going to have Chelsea Football Club. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to stay on the positivity side. This isn't me blindly backing Potter, but I also don't think that 14 matches with the situations that occurred after seven of them means everything we've known. We've learned everything that there is to learn about Potter. Um, one last thing is like people think Potter sucks too, just because he's not sexy when it comes to like his speaking to the public, and it's okay to leave the intensity the emotions and your honesty away from the cameras like i'm i'm okay with that as long as i see changes on the pitch over time i don't need him to tell me that he's going to drive a bus through seven countries i don't need him to tell me that he's building an unbeatable team i want him to show me and and that's going to take some time all right i think the last thing we can talk about is just this world cup break where do we go from here the rest of the season uh, expectations zach i'll start off with you do you think I, that this is a good this is a good timing what do you think this break will lead to um i mean based just based on the players reactions on social media i mean they're they're definitely feeling the brunt and the pressure of you know not picking up results or not even having decent performances. So I know that's weighing on the players like Mason Mount tweeted out something today. Um, Koulibaly as well, you know, just different guys basically saying that they're going to come back stronger and focus on their game and whatnot. Look, I, I, I think it's the perfect time. Like we said, if, if there's any moment where the guys need 
you know, a month off. Those guys being the ones that aren't going to the World Cup, it's now. And then the guys that are going to the World Cup, it's a good distraction for them. Now, obviously, they have to come back healthy. That's the key here. But to step away from Chelsea, I, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Sam. kind of relieved. I feel like it can't come at a better time. So I think it gives us enough time to kind of cool off a little bit, regardless of you know the recent results maybe take a step back and actually analyze what we can do differently in terms of um, player selection, formation changes, tactics, things like that, but also mentally as well. The way we're approaching matches is um, it's pretty embarrassing. So, yeah, I mean, I guess my expectations are just like Andy's. I want to see some sort of identity by the end of the season. And if we don't have a full-fledged identity, I want to see the direction that it's going. Like, I, I, I need to see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel um for lack of a better word and also i, I do want to quickly shout out lewis hall as well because he was fucking phenomenal again and the only bright spot in a rather poor match so i know we didn't talk about him in this podcast we're not ignoring him we're focusing on the bigger issues here but i want to see him around the first team more so yeah I did. we need an identity though that's that's the bottom line so I don't know if top four was within the realm of possibility. I, is within, it's within the realm of possibility, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen. I think too much damage has been done already. Um, but it really just kind of depends on who the people above us buy in January and what kind of reinforcements they bring in and who, all, who also who comes back from the World Cup healthy as well. That's a key element to, to all of this. So, mm. Andy, what do you think? Everybody, just take your take a break. Enjoy the time off. Hopefully, your country that you support has a fun month. And if not, enjoy just the craziness that usually is the World Cup. Because whether you're frustrated on one end or frustrated by others' frustrations, I think enjoy your Thanksgiving, potentially Christmas shopping. I think we just all needed this longer break. And more fans need to take up drinking. <laughs> I've definitely taken it up. I've taken responsibly. It up. Make sure you add that responsibly. Respon- eh. Who cares? It's the holidays, we're not, baby. Yeah, no work. we're not. We're not an alcohol company. It's okay. We're not going to get sued. <laughs> and we're not sponsored anyway. So yeah. All right. I think that wraps it up. I don't know if there's any uh, final thoughts from any of you, either of you, but I think. We, you know, put it all out there. We understand the situation, what's to come, what our realistic expectations are going to be this this season, and um, you know, I think I think it's it was it was a bit of uh, therapy. It was a good therapy session for me. Um, but make sure uh, for those of you who are still listening, make sure you follow us on Twitter. At uh, Blues on Parade Pod. Um, actually, no, we're at Blues on Parade. Um, follow us and subscribe if you already don't. And until next week, or sorry, we're going to take more than a month off. So until then, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>